Okay, so for the last at least five weeks, um, we have been uh, digging into church government, uh, looking at uh, two particular roles. We've spent most of our time looking um, at elders, and last week we uh, started the discussion about the difference between elders and deacons, and the thing that I want to continue um kind of pointing out along the way so that we're not confused by this is the difference between elders and deacons is not one of character. We're not when we talk about what makes a deacon or what makes an elder within a church, the thing that we're not talking about is the character of that individual because both of those individuals are called to be men of high character. Uh, so um, we should not be slacking or lacks in our selection when it comes to deacons because, well, they're not elders, right? So um, when it comes to, to deacons, when we're looking for, for the differences that we see there, um, I, I just want to continue to iterate that this is not an issue of character between these two, but of a particular calling. Um, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 6. This will be the last kind of piece here. We're going to look at the selecting of the early deacons within the church. We're going to look at the need that arose, and we're going to use this kind of to wrap up this particular part of our discussion in regards to um, these positions that we've been looking into uh, within, within the church. So Acts chapter 6. I will begin reading in verse 1. We'll go through verse 4 here. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in numbers, in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore... Brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So here we find the the calling of these early servants, these men who we refer to as deacons here. And can anybody... Would anybody, from what we've read, be willing to tell me what was the need that arose within the church where the deacons were necessary? So, um, so widows serving the church. What? There's a couple of things that I want us to consider here. I want us to consider what we typically, when we consider deacons within a church, consider them useful for. I want us to consider what we typically would see as tasks that are like, well, I'll go get a deacon for that. Can you give me some some examples of what you might have here? It's really hot in here. <laughs> it, that's, 
funny. That's funny. But at the same time, at the same time, we're Gary T. Yeah. Like, isn't that panel right there a little brown? Shouldn't someone get to that? Right? Now, deacons are called to service. And if you look at the deacons that we have here, we have men that if it's hot and you tell them that they're not going like super offended to the air conditioner, like, punch the th- like you can't touch the air conditioner unless you're not going to have those that are like, I'm above this. You're not. You're not. You're like, I think I see 70 panels in the church that water's dripped on. Could somebody get to that? There's some light bulbs out. Can somebody get to that? Now here's what's... Here's what's... At times, <laughs> I'm like, y'all got some patience in you. Because I want to be honest with you. That's not their job. It's not. It's not. And yet they serve faithfully, even in those things. Even in those things. Well, it's like there was this inequity and there was there was they were complaining. There was complaining. And they respond yes. to the complaint. And who are they complaining to? They're complaining to the, the apostles. They're, pla- they're complaining to the apostles. The preachers. The preachers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so complaints arise. Because there's a lot of people who have come to Christ in this area at this point in time. Like We've seen several moments in the church where there's just been explosions of people being brought in. Because the Word of God is preached. The Holy Spirit's moving through the Word of God as it is preached. Lives are changed and people are brought in. But as we all know, when we're brought in to salvation, we are not immediately made perfect in all things. Right? We're justified and stand before God as though we were standing literally as Christ before God because Christ has imputed His righteousness to us. But we all know that there's a working out of sanctification within us that takes some time. So as this new church is forming, does it surprise us that there are complaints about the way that things go? I think it's interesting though. The word complaint though, I don't... I don't know the Greek there, or I haven't dug that deep, but like, it sounds like a perfectly legitimate problem. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. problem that would bring up, like Biggie was saying, right? More Listen, if problem, we, right? and if we yeah. look at this too, like, what they're complaining about is, is it's a worthwhile complaint. It's something that ought to be handled. It's something that, that like, if we're considering the proper working, effective working of a body of believers, that if we see inequity within the church in the way that things are handled, that's something that should concern us. That's something worthy of complaint. Now, we take that, and don't we push that in all directions, right? Like, let that panel be a little bit dirty for a little too long. And every deacon who's loved his church and served them well... It's going to be in, in a place of ill repute because they are too lazy to get up on a ladder and change that panel out. Like now. 
Like now, is the, has, has anybody see that panel? If Gary Key is not in here changing this panel at the end of the day today, then I have failed in pointing out to you the nurse. Okay, so we've got some stuff in there. We can't get on the ladder without. We got some. Because we have no cell service. We can't call. So, so we have. I want. I want to. I want to highlight this that we have men serving here who would take even those things and would concern themselves with it. And we should, we should thank God for that. Um, we should be extremely grateful for that. But I want to highlight as well that you don't have to be a deacon to change a panel out and be useful, right? You don't have... So like a deacon who would go and do that, when that's not... That's not when they were called to be a deacon, they were called to serve, yes. But they were called in a way to serve the church in a way that supports the church in a way that the leaders here, and, and this is where it's, it's going to get super offensive to some here in a moment, because what we're going to see here when we look at the text is that there are certain things that are more important even then, your widow's getting fed. Did I word that in a way that was sufficiently offensive? <laughs> that there are things more important than your widow's getting fed. <laughs> well, there are things more important. Yeah. I would go so far as to say, if the gospel is not preached, your widows will go hungry. If the gospel is not preached, your widows will go hungry. Your people in need will continue in need. The orphans will remain orphans if the gospel is not preached. So when I say that there are things more important than your widows getting fed, the soul of your widows is more important than the food that they might eat. Right? This is, this is in a sense, offensive to us in a way that I think that we should be very careful with. Okay? What do I mean by that? What if... All that Dustin did, Dustin's not in here, so I can point him out. What if all that Dustin did was spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of his time every week reading God's Word so that he could spend, on a good day for many, 30 minutes? <laughs> on a day that stretches us an hour? God forbid we go any further than that in the most important ministry for the soul of the church. But what if that's all he did? What if that's it? What would we think as a church? If, he, if, if, if the pastor of the church devoted himself and... and the majority of what you saw was simply what he did on Sunday morning. You would think to yourself, let me go ahead and tell, tell you what you would think. 
you would think that he's lacking in, his, in fulfilling the requirements that he has as a pastor. You would think that he's lacking completely in it. Right? But, and here's the, I think there's a reason for this. We've set it up that way in our culture. We've set it up that way. Okay, we set it up that way. But there's, but there's a problem that we have because we actually do not consider the ministry of the Word significant. We don't. That we should give up, give up preaching the word of God to serve others. So, like, that, that yes. to a Sunday morning? Is that is that like, do we put that all on Sunday morning, or are we living like preaching the word? There's an element of it that's like universal throughout the way that you live. Okay, but there was a practical problem that they had. Was it a once a week teaching? Let's, Im- let's imagine that your pastor's time is so filled with great things, great ministry things. Let's imagine that from the moment that he wakes up, he's going and serving the widows, he's going and visiting the orphanages. He's going and doing all of these things that when you look, you're like, I see why he's busy. His time is so jam-packed that if he's got 24 hours in a day, he sleeps one and the rest he does ministry. Well, all of these men were serving in other ways. Like they had to eat. They had to eat well, too, right? Full time, though. Yeah. Whereas now we expect our ministers in churches like ours to be to work. We expect hours. a lot of stuff. We yeah, we expect yeah. a lot of stuff, and we don't concern ourselves more with the primary things as we do with the secondary things. Um, so his time is full, yeah. and he spends. How many of you, I will not ask you to raise your hands, okay? How many of you would like your pastor to spend as much time preparing for the sermon that he preaches as he stands in there? How many of you would like for your pastor to spend as much time preparing for the sermons as you would wish those sermons to be in length? So what happens if he fills all of his time with these great things? Great things. Good things. And spends no time in the Word. Or little time in the Word. Or an insufficient amount of time in the Word for what it is meant to do. What would happen? Your pastor would gain a lot of crowns while all of you wither and die. Then widows will go hungry. Yes. And I agree with you. Yeah. 
in in so much as it is done in Jesus' name. Yes. Because we have now, I think something even within the Christian church that is, um, it's a social justice movement within the Christian yeah. church that could be ungospel. Yeah. And we still need these things to be met. We still need these ministries to be done. And like you can, you can go and fulfill, do ministry, the works of God and deny the power of God in how you're doing it for service to the Lord. Yeah. Right? It's doing it as a ministry of the church. In and of itself. And it, and, and it is the ends and the means and everything in between. And I would, I would say that Give, and there are, there are many truths within God's Word that we see play out for what they are in the span of time, right? And like the motives of the heart play out in the span of time. Someone's willingness to devote themselves for a lifetime to a thing. Like we see these things play out. So like when I say that if, if the gospel is not preached, the widows won't be fed, I'm using a an extreme phrase here that I believe 100% true if time is allowed to play out. So continue slacking in the preaching of the gospel. You may get, you may get your entire generation to buy in. But lack the thing that passes it to the next. Because that's it, right? If I can get you motivated about my particular ministry, then I can get you to come into it, right? I can get you to perform it. I can get you to take part in it. And that's a, there's a, we see this a, a lot of times within the way that churches operate. And it will grow very big and then burn out completely, right? And the reason that it can, that the church, big church can survive these things is that because God is working within the church even when we see these ebbs and flows of like a big ministry just collapse but the church does not fail because the gospel of God is and will continue to go out right and he will stir through the holy spirit the hearts of the people that he is calling to himself from generation to generation, and He will give them direction. He will give them purpose. Like, as a minister of the Word, that one person could gain for themselves an, an enormous amount of crowns by taking what they read and what they study and applying it to their life so that they serve faithfully and that every minute and every moment of their life is filled with good, great things. And yet God calls them to direct themselves towards you. Because how many more things great and good? How many, if it were just Dustin, if it were just any one preacher who was going and doing all of that service, they would gain for themselves an enormous amount of crowns for the great things that they have done for God. But how much more could we, the church, do? If we, the church, work together, can we feed more orphans than I can feed? Can we? Can we feed more widows than I can feed? 
Can you have time for your family and for the widows if it's we? What if it's just me? What if it's just Dustin? What if it's just one person? Will they have time for their families and for the widows and for the orphans and for the weddings and for the list your things that we would do? Right? So the there's a there's an ordering to these things that's significant that we see when we look at the way that the apostles approached this very thing. They elevate something that we tend to like give less priority to. And we tend to we tend to give less priority to it because we see it the reality is is we see it as something lesser, right? Like we see it we see it as though the man who would preach the gospel would not live the gospel, right? And what do I mean by that? Is that we expect for the man that preaches the gospel that every single other moment of his life is filled with only those things that we would consider ministry, right? But they even said, let's read it, let's pay, let's pay attention to it. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, so is that a good thing? Absolutely, that's a great thing. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So their widows weren't getting the same priority as the other widows. Is that a complaint worth raising? Or when we look at this text, when we look at the scripture, are we saying here, is Landon saying here that this is not a valid complaint? If from what you've heard from me, you say, yeah, Landon, that's what you're saying, then you have not heard what I'm saying. <laughs> they, have, they bring here a valid complaint. There's an issue of fairness, of justice here that's being brought forward. What's the, but there's a lot of them. Right? There's a lot of these complaints coming in. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, "It is." I want us to pay very close attention to this. Because I think that if, if they came and stood, if the twelve came and stood before us today, and they said these very things, then we would think that they are the ivory tower type, but not the boots on the ground type. That's what we would think, right? Am I wrong? Let's read what they say. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. I would have loved to be in that room when they said that. (laughs) Because I could only imagine that there were a lot of people that thought to themselves, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought that's what you're here for. I thought you were here to serve me. Like this. You're the you're the you're the front runners. You're the twelve. Right? Like you literally get books that you write and books written about you. <laughs> just to keep it together. Just to keep it. Oh yeah. We all need sanctifying. How are we sanctified? Can someone tell me how we're sanctified? By the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit work in our lives? Devoid from the Word. Devoid from it. Turn away from God's Word and go do. Go keep my hands busy. Is that how the Holy Spirit works to sanctify the church? That's how we think. That's how we think. 
Yeah. Yeah. And in the moment, it can look really good. It can. It can look great. But there's a wisdom that we see here to the ordering of things that we should, and we should be, like, there should be this thing that comes out in our minds here that offends us in some ways that causes us to think about what he's saying. It's not right that we should give up preaching the Word of God to serve tables. Do you think they never served a table? Is that what we draw from this? Do you think they never served? Yeah. They served for 5,000? Yes. They've been serving, and they continue to serve. But, they, but they, there was a point that the church grew to the extent that if they did everything themselves, then the most important thing would lack. And that most important thing was going to be the thing that literally got the gospel to us today. You are here today because the early church learned how to prioritize and to organize. Right? That's what this is. The church grows. Now we have a need. This this thing that has happened has outgrown our ability to manage. Now we need to grow into this. How do we do that? So one thing that I want us to see here, again, when we've talked about the role of deacons, role of elders, there is not here a difference in character. This is not what we're talking about here. But there is a, a combined realization that we as a church ought to have that there is a thing that keeps us living, breathing, moving as a church. And if we neglect that thing, all of those other good things in time will fade and fall away. Because it is the gospel and the word of God. It is the ministry of the word to the church that fans the flames within the believers that find themselves hearing that gospel week after week. Yes and amen to the things that the Lord has given to them through those people who have devoted themselves to ministering in that way. That God has gifted in that way. And here's the thing that I believe wholeheartedly is that God gives His church in every regard, fully and completely. If we were to look today and we were to, to, to put up on the wall a list of things that were, that, that were like areas of service that were currently failing to fulfill, I believe God, I believe either one, those things are not for us now, perhaps in the future, but perhaps not now, or that there is 100% someone within the church that God is calling to serve in that capacity. I believe that the God who's been faithful to call us and join us together as a body has done so fittingly, right? How do those who are, who are not serving today but will be called into service get there? How do they get there? The Word of God stirring in their hearts 
ministering to them, sanctifying them, and they grow into service. Right? The effective use of this ministry enables every other good and great ministry within the church. It is the foundation that without it, the church is not the church. And if we find ourselves as a church expecting from the, especially the person that should be the one shepherding the flock, if we expect them to spend all their time on other things and not on God's Word or little on God's Word, what do we expect the end result for us to be as a body of believers? Perhaps, perhaps, you find yourself as one of those individuals who's so dedicated to spending time in God's Word that you could perhaps survive your entire life just you and your Bible. Right? I'm, I'm certain that God has individuals that are like that. I'm certain of it. I'm also certain that most of us are not them. That there's a mutual working in the Word that starts with the minister of the church. Because think to yourself for a moment when you were a new believer and you were looking at God's Word and you were trying to figure out how do I, like what, what do I do? How do I manage this? And then someone comes alongside you and helps you and guides you and points you in that direction. How did that person learn? Someone came alongside them, taught them, showed them. The pastor of a church, the ministers of a church, the elders in this regard, those who are, these, these here, literally the apostle, like the founding elders of the church, understood the significance of God's Word, the impact that it would have on the long-term life and livelihood of the church, and they prioritized it. Do you imagine that they got any pushback from that? Do you think that there was some pushback? It said it pleased the whole congregation. That's interesting. Do you think yeah. the complaining stopped? Probably not. Do you think that no one in the church complained after that? No. <laughs> but you know, they recognized. I, I think they recognized. I don't know this, but these apostles walked this is this is they are living they are living life like this like here's here's one of the crazy things to consider every one of those men that we find here called to apostleship could trace their belief back to Jesus in these 12 like they laid this foundation well and then we're in the early stages of the church and already we're able to find men with the character that are identified in Scripture that are called up and serve. So I don't know if we're considering all the different things too. They're, they're coming from two different people groups. Mm. Jew and Greek. Yes. And then two communications. Greek and Hebrew. Yeah. And so if you've got an apostle that speaks Hebrew, he's got to have someone interpret for the Greek people, and so that may be where part of that. There's an intermingling of cultures here. Yeah. A lot of times, you 
Well, when we went down to Honduras, I mean, that's where I, you know, you wanted to do something to help somebody, but you don't know what to do. Yeah. You can't ask them in English if they if they don't know English or yeah. if you don't know uh, Spanish. Yeah, and so we call up within the church men who are qualified. The church selects them. We're going to get into some of this stuff as we press on next week into actual, actually the way that we see churches organized. But the church selects from amongst themselves men who fit these qualities, right? So therefore, brothers... Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So that they didn't say this is not an important thing, right? They didn't say just go pick up any random person here, right? Good repute, full of the Spirit, so that they could empower them in service here, right? So this is not them over them, like they're their bosses or anything like that. This is, a, this is an identifying of gifts, a calling to this ministry, and then enabling them to go out and to serve. And then verse 4, and in doing this. So again, like so not to deprioritize the ministry of the Word. They establish this group of men to serve. So that they could, in verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And again, when I read that, I think how many people, when they see that, think like, these guys are just trying to be lazy. Right? They're just trying to do less. If you look at these men who are establishing this in that way, as though they're trying to somehow serve less, then you misunderstand everything that their lives were about, right? The key point here is, is that they understand the importance of prayer and the ministry of the Word. It is. The Word of God is the reason that you are here today. The Word of God working in the lives of men and women who are now nameless to you in history brought the Word of God to you today. The Holy Spirit working. Yes. Yeah. Like devoted time. Yes. Yeah. And how how little how or how often we minimize the significance and importance of those things. And when we do, I think we show that we fail to understand why it is that we're here today and what it is that will reach the nations tomorrow and when we're dead and gone in the grave. Okay? It will not be all of the good and great things that I do or that you do that wins them. It will be the gospel of God presented to them. The most important ministry of the church is taking the gospel people.
right? The most important, every other ministry, if that's not weaved in and through it, then it is a ministry for this side and this side only. We, we desperately need more. We're just going to say it. There's a ministry that's going on in the church that needs more and more help in that. The Friday night group is yeah. going all wrong. Because the weaving of the gospel is relational in that. Yeah. And it's open. And it's not, you know, there are lots of people in there that may or may not have a relationship with God. And we're, you know, the gospel is, it's like a mission field. Yeah. We need more people to be involved. Yeah. Because Dusty really cannot do that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, we'll get it. So we're going to, I'm going to wrap us up here. I want to summarize with a couple of key points. The difference between elders and deacons, I'll say it again and again and again, the difference between elders and deacons is not one of character. Like if you looked at the way that these men live their lives, they're going to match, right? So it's not a quality of character. It's not a like a like the deacons are somehow like have less of these qualifying attributes than others. Like these are men of high character. The difference is is that one is dedicating themselves primarily to the ministry of the Word and the other cherishing the mystery of that ministry, devoting themselves to enabling that ministry by serving the church. Right? Um, so we'll, we'll end there. Um, next week we're going to look at, if you want to go ahead and be looking at the different areas, um, we're going to be looking at Episcopalian, church government, Presbyterian church government, and then of variations of congregational church government. We'll probably cover Episcopalian and Presbyterian really briefly, just to say that that's not how we are organized. And then we'll look at the at the breakdown next week of a couple of styles of congregational uh, churches that you find single elder led single elder plus deacons plural local elders and then kind of just pure democracy Um, we'll look at those we'll see where we fit we'll see what do we see in scripture regarding the way that the early church um, organized themselves Uh, now that we've laid the framework of these two these two roles generally it'll, it'll help us to move through that section of this study a little bit uh, more quickly.